The world will step into 2024 battered and bruised, but hopeful. Expectations of low growth, raging geopolitical tensions, stubborn global inflation and high interest rates paint a bleak picture. But can 2024 steer the world back on the right path of growth? Hello, I'm Jeremy Maggs and this is No Ordinary Wednesday. It's our in-depth look at what's driving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. In this last episode of 2023, we're going to take stock of the economic year that was and look ahead to the next 12 months. I'm joined by Investec UK Chief Economist Philip Shaw, Annalise Piers, Chief Investment Officer for Investec Bank Switzerland, along with Annabel Bishop, Chief Economist at Investec in South Africa. So, Phil, let's start the conversation with a global view, if we can. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development has warned that global growth is going to dip by 0.3% next year to 2.7%. So let me ask you if this is in line with your forecasts and what then would be driving this slower growth. Broadly, yes, that's more or less in line with our view. We're still putting our final numbers together for our year ahead. But the big picture is that subpar growth, so slower GDP growth in 2024 is pretty likely. The significant driver, of course, is the lagged impact of higher interest rates. We've seen aggressive rate rises through most developed economies to restrictive levels, and that's resulted in the effects coming through now, coming more clearly, various economies slowing down. Over 2023, of course, we had various headwinds and the cost of living crisis, especially the extraordinary surge in gas prices over much of Europe, including the UK, was the main thing over 23. That would have tipped many Western economies into recession were it not for huge government support to households. Now, looking forward, the effect is, as I said, higher interest rates and visible signs of higher rates biting on the economy. So, Annalise, let me come to you then. What does the picture look like for the Eurozone? Maybe just sum up the year that was for us and the key factors shaping the EU economy this year. You know, just to follow on what Phil said, is Europe really suffered from this cost of living crisis. So, this year, the forecast for GDP growth is 0.5% and inflation should be running at year end by f- to 5.5%. Now, remember that interest rates increased in the Eurozone and in Germany in particular from minus 0.6% to 2.8%. And that's a huge turnaround in interest rates. And unlike America, people have not locked in their mortgages for, th- for 30 years. So it has had a big impact. The cost of living crisis was severe. And that all happened because of also the higher energy prices due to the gas prices that spiked up. All right, Annabel Bishop, you've heard Phil and Annalise. Let's bring it back to the South African markets, if we can. How does the global economy and the projections that we've just heard impact on us? Yes, hi. Look, South Africa remains a small open economy and is quite dependent on the world economic growth and, of course, what's happening in terms of global interest rates for its own both development and, of course, the financial markets. We have found ourselves, however, that a lot of domestic factors are also impeding our economy, and particularly our electricity utility, ESCOM, which has seen serious load shedding over the last few years, but that's really escalated this year, which has cut off a lot of economic growth that could have occurred otherwise. And similarly, our freight or logistics utility, which is both in charge of the and the railway system. And these supply side factors have really impeded South Africa's economic growth rate, but also investor sentiment towards our country. 
So as we find ourselves in a situation where other emerging markets have benefited from expectations that the United States has finished its interest rate hike cycle and is going to move into interest rate cut cycle next year, for South Africa, the RAND has seen significantly less benefit. We normally would tend to appreciate on this type of environment because of these domestic factors that I've mentioned. Looking forwards, we do think that both interest rate cuts in the US and, of course, interest rate cuts in South Africa will be helpful, but we're still likely to see a low growth rate next year as a consequence of the fact that the structural deficits will remain in place for quite a while. Philip Shaw, let me return to you now and let's focus on some key economies and maybe start in the United States of America where a recession is still on the cards. There's that old trope, that old cliche that when the US sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. Um, Should we be bracing ourselves for what? I think that mantra still holds. And that's despite a number of emerging markets in the last couple of decades, arguably diluting the impact of events in the States on the global economy. But the US economy has been remarkably resilient over 2023. and, And that may well reflect continued use of pandemic savings. Also, the tight labour markets encourage job hoarding by employers, and that's kept income supported. But now what we're beginning to see at the moment are signs, and they are still mainly anecdotal, that demand is cooling. And the question really is how much and how far that's going to go. We're not convinced that a recession is imminent or it will happen at all. But we do clearly expect a slowdown in the US economy in response to higher interest rates and the Fed funds target range at 5.25 to 5.5. And that's going to contribute towards a global slowdown we mentioned earlier. But, you know, offsets through the course of the year by the fact that inflation is likely to continue falling and the Fed and indeed other central banks around the world will probably begin to cut rates in mid-2024. Philip, you're talking to us from a very cold London. Sum up the year for us in the United Kingdom, some suggesting that it was unprecedented. Um, What's the expectation as far as the British economy is concerned for next year? Perhaps not quite unprecedented this year, at least on the scale of the global financial crisis and COVID, but still very eventful. And in the UK, we had to deal with the effect of surging wholesale natural gas prices, which one point in late 2022 was something close to 20 times the long-term average. Um, and that's fed through to domestic and commercial energy prices. And you know, typically, gas is a fuel in the UK, which heats something like 80% of buildings and has supplied something like 40% of electricity in recent years. So it makes a big difference as to what the gas price is. And the avoidance of a recession in the UK so far anyway, is largely thanks to energy support schemes. Now, this year in 2023, it did peak the previous year, but inflation was was the dominant factor here, caused rates to rise to a 15-year high with volatile markets, and and it has been a challenging year. But, you know, perhaps on the other side of that coin, although politics have been eventful as well, we did manage to have just one prime minister this year rather than the three that we had in 2022. So that's a point, if you like, of relative stability. (laughs) A little bit of progress on the political front. But uh, there is an election next year, of course, and an election uh, in South Africa. Annabel Bishop, back to you. Against the backdrop then of the electricity crisis that you referenced, as well as uh, the the logistics issues regarding uh, port and rail, what's your sense for the economic outlook for South Africa next year? Something a little better, hopefully? 
Yes, definitely, Jeremy. You know, in fact, we're looking for at least double the growth rate we have this year. So this year, we're likely to see economic activity expanding about 0.5% year on year. And of course, you know, the inflation rate has been very elevated in South Africa as well. That's been around 6% as an average for this year. Next year, we think inflation is actually going to moderate quite substantially. In fact, in the second half of next year, it's going to not only hit the midpoint of the inflation target, but most likely actually drop below it. And that overall should give us an average for 2024 of inflation really coming in at where the Reserve Bank wants it to be, close to about 4.5%. This is positive for interest rates. Higher interest rates in South Africa have substantially cut off consumer spending. And of course, we've seen a big impact also as well in the um, effect on businesses and of course, confidence and sentiment. So a change is certainly expected from an interest rate and obviously inflation perspective next year. And the lift in economic growth while benefiting from these two factors should also, of course, come from an increase in renewable energy in South Africa. South Africa has an enormous renewable energy framework and plans going ahead. And of course, many are actually being um, implemented as well. So we expect to see some significant relief coming through, but not an eat to load shedding next year. But as we move out over the next few years, more and more renewable energy will come on board in South Africa. South Africa's electricity is mainly 90% coal-fired. And of course, with the climate change objectives, with the um, COP28 taking place, and of course, as well with the country objectives to try and reduce the effects that climate change obviously has and limit the global warming, South Africa's move to renewable energy is a significant positive. And it really comes as the infrastructure investment in coal and fossil fuels in this country has not only reached the end of its lifespan, but has actually been exceeded well beyond that. And of course, Jeremy, that's one of the reasons why these power stations are failing in South Africa. And there's the older power stations, of course, to make up the majority and resulting in this load shedding that we've been having. So, Annelies, from where you sit then, the Eurozone outlook for the new year is looking slightly better, a little bit more positive than the rest of the world. Some growth expected, albeit uh, less than previously forecast. So what's driving growth in your region and what's your outlook for the EU next year? So Europe is not just only affected by America. So if America sneezes, as you say, we catch a cold. The problem is that China has not got out of bed after COVID and Europe is very exposed to China. So hopefully pickup in Chinese growth will help Europe because we export quite a lot to China. What concerns me a bit is that the euro has been strengthening against the dollar and against most currencies in the recent time, and that's not so great for our exports. On the consumer side, um, hopefully with interest rates coming down, as inflation drops, so real wages will pick up, that might help a very depressed consumer confidence in Europe. As I said, we're coming from such a low base, it can surprise on the upside, but I am a bit worried about the US recession, that China does not um, grow as much as we need it to grow. We're still sitting with a war on our borders with Ukraine. Europe is providing a lot of weapons to Ukraine from our side. The problem is that we have to, in Europe, have increased defense spending quite a lot um, because of this war running here. Oil prices, luckily enough, is quite low and we're not seeing much of a spike in any of the gas and oil prices, which has a big impact on Europe. So it can surprise on the upside. Hopefully inflation comes below the 2%. Christine Lagarde once again came out to say that they will not cut interest rates while inflation is above their target. 
So it's a bit of a grey winter, but for the moment it is a warm winter and that should also help. We'll continue this conversation in just a moment. I would like to remind you to subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please take a moment to rate us. Philip, Annalise has just been referencing China. So now let's take a look at the world's second largest economy. It's been a tough few months for the country. Weak exports, uh, disappointing economic data. Now that uh, China's leadership is pinning its hopes on new economic drivers, uh, give us a sense of what these new areas of growth are that they're focusing on. And are the stars going to align for the Chinese economy in 2024? I think that might be a bit of a bit of a challenge there. Certainly lifting COVID restrictions about a year ago um, and opening up the economy has helped and this helped the global economy as well, of course, but there are significant headwinds. And one is that if you look at spending patterns through major economies, then that's become more oriented towards services and less to goods, and that's hurt China. And of course, China faces more competition now in the manufacturing space, for example, India. And of course, it's got its well-documented real estate company problems as well. Now, Beijing's tried to orient itself towards infrastructure projects to deliver growth. But they recently, the, the People's Bank governor, Pan Gongcheng, uh, stated that relying heavily on infrastructure as well as real estate would delay necessary structural adjustment and undermine the sustainability of economic growth in China. So uh, there are real problems there structurally. And, and in short, we think that, well, will struggle to get 5% GDP growth from China next year. So, Annelies, China is looking for new economic drivers, but in Europe it's all about inflation, which is still a thorn in the side of the European Central Bank going into next year. Its policymakers are clear that the battle to curb inflation rages on and the rate cut conversation is premature, but investors in the Eurozone are already pricing in as much as three rate cuts next year. Give me your assessment. It's possible that we have three rate cuts, but I think it will really be towards the end of next year. Say we growth rate here is forecasted at about 0.6 for next year, so it's going to be low growth. It probably needs a recession for the ECB to move quicker. I think April is far too early. Um, Inflation is going to come down, but the ECB will only move once it's gone through the 2% because they want to make sure that the inflation expectations are under control. It's not just about the current inflation rate. It's also about what the consumer expects inflation to be. So they will be far more hawkish because they do not want that to stick its head out down the line again. So as I said, and if China doesn't come through to Phil's point, that will be another weight on the growth side. And it's only when the growth looks like it's going to recession that they will speed up interest rate cuts. Annabel, you referenced sentiment a little earlier, so let's return. How is investor and business confidence in South Africa going into the new year? And again, we've already spoken about uh, the twin crises at ESCOM and Transnet, haven't we? Yes, indeed. And you know, what's quite cheering, Jeremy, is that the government, our president, President Ramaphosa, and indeed his presidency, there's a number of ministers in the presidency and also quite a lot of Pittman staff. And, you know, generally it's been bolstered quite significantly, almost a mini government in itself, alongside the private business sector are working together, these two groupings, to try and address the three crises in South Africa. Both Eskom and Transnet, as you mentioned, electricity and you know freight and logistics, but also, of course, as well, crime in South Africa. 
Yeah. Now, interestingly, you know, recently we've heard from FATF, you know, the Financial Action Task Force. You recall we got graylisted in South Africa this year. That South Africa has actually concluded the vast majority of the reforms and actions that FATF actually requires. So they're now only five outstanding. So we have seen some progress in the various action and the task groups, which lead us to feel quite positive about further work being done in this space and also bringing to fruition the type of infrastructure environment that we need to see improved to run faster growth and, of course, boost investor and business confidence. As you say, what is also, of course, quite important is the investment of foreigners into South Africa's bond market. And of course, that has obviously been damaged by the increase in supply. Interestingly, the yield in South Africa's 10-year government bond has moved from 6% where it was in the 2000s, where South Africa actually had an A-grade credit rating. And that's actually moved to 12%. So in the, in a doubling, essentially, of this yield due to a vast increase in the supply of South African government bonds. And, of course, that's had a negative effect on investor sentiment and, of course, as well on the RAND. And what we have also found as well, you know, inflation has been a bit elevated, yes, but government has not received much delivery for this borrowing in terms of both the um, electricity and freight utilities that we've been talking about, particularly, of course, other areas that would benefit economic growth. So that's also been a negative for investment. I think overall in the longer term, we're anticipating that government will work towards fiscal consolidation and improvement in these various areas. But of course, what's also key in South Africa's consumer confidence and you know what's going to be really important is we do move into an interest rate cutting environment next year. But our Reserve Bank governor, Sechik Kanyaba, has been very clear that he wants to see inflation at the midpoint of 4.5% for a number of months before he even begins to entertain the thought of cutting interest rates. So just finally, Annabelle, what are the key events on your calendar then that could move markets and uh, shape the South African economy? And I mentioned uh, an election in South Africa in 2024. Yes, Jeremy. And of course, you know, we haven't got the set date yet, but it could happen around April or May. That's typically when it does. It's a national election for the entire country. But other key events, of course, will be the budget next year with the credit rating agencies noting already that South Africa's mini budget or medium term budget policy statement that we've just had at the start of November saw an increase yet again in planned government borrowings. And of course, while the credit rating agencies haven't downgraded us this year yet, um, just after the mini budget, then we'll be looking to see what expenditure cuts are we going to make next year? And of course, what revenue boosting areas is South Africa going to focus on to try and actually improve our government finances? Instead, unfortunately, what's been flagged so far is just a further increase in government borrowings. So other than those two key events, we'll also look at the State of the Nation address. And of course, you know, that's the typical summation from the president about the plans ahead for um, both the economy and various um, social areas. But of course, as well, you know, what's really going to be quite key is what is the outcome of this business and government presidential partnership? And do we see faster traction in terms of these three key areas, electricity, transport, and crime, which can actually result in improvement in investor sentiment, and of course, faster economic growth as well. So now these are going to, the, the, the latter, you know, the, the last um, area I'm talking about is really going to be, you know, the one where we'd look at to improve our growth outlook for South Africa. Quicker resolution to the electricity and um, freight crises we have in the country, and of course, removal from the grey listing as well is quite key. And Annalise, on your radar screen for next year? So we have uh, quite a heavy election calendar next year. So in June, we have the European Parliament elections. That is probably the most important. But we also have 
quite a few of the core countries. Portugal has elections in March. Belgium is at the same time as a European Parliament election in June and Austria in September. I think the Dutch um, result recently has put everybody a little bit on edge because of the swing to the conservative side. So, as I say, European elections will be closely watched. I think the US elections will have an impact on Europe as well particularly because it is going to be a very interesting election between Biden and and Trump. And that, I think, can lead to volatility that can spill over into our markets. The Ukrainian war is still on the radar. And I think the one long-term theme that we will keep on seeing in Europe next year is energy security and energy independence. So that is an area that Europe is really looking forward to implement further to make us less dependent on Russia. So for the final word to you then, the world is going into 2024, I guess, on recession watch for some major economies. As we have discussed, geopolitical tensions show no sign of abating and uh, many, many crucial elections looming large. What's your feeling? Is there a cause for hope? Yeah, as, as we've heard from both Annabelle and Annalise, uh, politics are very important going into 2024. And, you know, one has to look at the US presidential elections next November as being the key political event globally. And the question being, will Trump win? And it's not impossible, we have to say. At the same time, though, it's also important to consider that there are elections to the US Senate and the House of Representatives. And the, the results of all those three arms of government will determine whether the US is closer to effective decision making and away from the gridlock that we've seen over the past couple of years. One cause for hope, perhaps uh, from a political point of view, is that the recent visit, for example, from President Xi to California seems to be indicating a thaw in relationship between Beijing and Washington, and that might help to avoid protectionism. But from an economic perspective, I think the really the, the beacon, I think, in terms of hope is the fact that inflation is falling and falling fairly sharply. And that's hugely important as it allows central banks to ease policy at some point through 2024, help to stimulate the economies and limit any depths of any recessions through um, particularly the advanced economy world. So we do think we, we will begin to see lower rates in many areas through key Western economies next year. Phil, thank you very much indeed, along with Annabelle and Annalise. And let me conclude by saying this. 2024, I'm told, is the Chinese Year of the Dragon. It's a symbol of authority, prosperity and good luck. So let's hope this bodes well for the global economy. And that's all from the 2023 season of No Ordinary Wednesday. We'd like to thank our loyal listeners for your continued support and also to our guests. We look forward to more insightful conversations in the new year, starting on the 17th of January, when our next episode will air. From me, Jeremy Maggs, and the entire Focus Radio team, Lenya Rossello, Andrew Sutherland and Ingrid Booth, we wish you a happy holiday season. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.